AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. I am back in the bunker and ready to roll. We'll get details of market incentives to produce choice grading beef. Learn about the difference that leadership makes. Get an update on the first few days of business in the U.S. House. And try, try to understand the workings of phase two of the emergency relief program. Live from the pre-report hub hub via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Dave Mitchell from the Leadership Difference, Inc. Then it's U.S. Representative Randy Feenstra of Iowa. And later, the Farm CPA, Paul Neifer. Right after the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, thank you very much, buddy. Did you know that Paul Neifer retired? Paul Neifer retired. Paul Neifer retired. Okay, so let me let me change it. Later, the retired farm CPA, Paul Neifer. Yeah, is that, yeah. Is that um, well, I I guess, but yeah, at the end of uh, at at the end of the year, he retired from Clifton Larson Allen. I guess we would now refer to him as gent- gentleman farmer Paul Neifer, something like that. Well, maybe. Maybe the accountant formerly known as the Farm CPA. Yeah, there we go. Well, he's still on Twitter as at Farm CPA. Okay. He is still writing blogs and doing oh. analysis for mm-hmm. AgWeb.com as uh-huh. the Farm CPA. And he will be presenting at Top Producer Summit as the Farm CPA. So I think it's still in his blood. Evidently. I don't think I don't think you can actually, you know, extract that out of yeah. Paul's DNA. No, apparently <laughs> when not. You get right down to it. How are you, man? Everything good? Really great. Really great. Just a lovely just little blanket of not even a blanket, like a sheet of snow here. Oh. Just enough to remind you, you know, hey, guess what? It's January. Yeah. Even here yeah. in the Midwestern tropics. <laughs> That's right. Twenty six <laughs> degrees here. I had a mm-hmm. beautiful drive home. It it was it was kind of weird. Once the sun went down, mm-hmm. I kept checking for if if the if the road was getting slick because yeah. it I drove through fog or mist or Ooh. whatever it was moisture yeah. like all the way home. It it was quite uh, yeah. It was a little unnerving at times. Didn't get yeah. slick, but it was a little unnerving. So, oh. But here we are. We're ready I'm to glad go. glad you made it. Glad you yes. made it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Great day over in Norfolk, Nebraska. Had mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Met new people. Talked about a lot of different things over there with the, with the guys. We'll get to some of those probably tomorrow in the free-for-all. All right, man. Let's get to it. What do you got in the news? Well, Chip, as USDA prepares to release its monthly World Ag Supply and Demand Estimates Report today, Carl Setzer with AgriVisor says demand will be what he's watching. Now, we've had pretty good demand on soybeans as far as sales go. The loading's not matching what we're seeing on the sales side. Uh, USDA getting a little cautious there. I expect to see that trail off a little bit. 
corn demand was reduced in December, I wouldn't be too surprised to see another shaving off of maybe 75 million bushels in this report. But yet we've got all year to to adjust our demand yet. So I think that's something we're going to watch. Chip, there are just a ton yeah. of reports, a ton of data coming out uh, in yeah. a little less than an hour. Yeah, exactly right. Winter wheat seeding, quarterly grain stocks report. That's what Carl was just talking about. The annual production summary and then the U.S. and global supply and demand updates. Well, the GOP-controlled House won bipartisan support to set up a select committee on activities of the Chinese Communist Party, including the CCP's purchase of U.S. farmland. The Select Committee on the Strategic Competition between the United States and the CCP will look into China's trade, economic, human rights, and security threats overseas and here at home. Newly elected House Speaker Kevin McCarthy noted this. How do we bring our jobs back from China to America? How do we secure our intellectual property? How do we make sure our farmland is protected? All of that would be brought up within this committee. And Chip, the annual inflation rate in the United States cooled for a sixth straight month to 6.5% in December. That's the lowest since October 2021. And matching market expectations month on month, the CPI declined by 0.1%, beating forecasts of a flat reading as a decrease in gasoline prices more than offset a rise in the cost of shelter. It was the first decline since May of 2020. Chip, moving in the right direction here? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I I don't think that it puts it it doesn't put a pivot by the Fed in play yet, but I think we are moving in the right direction. Inflation in China picked up in December and is expected to accelerate further in the months ahead as the economy revs up following Beijing's abrupt dismantling of its zero tolerance measures to contain COVID-19. Chip, more angst was evident regarding EPA's RFS plan on renewable diesel during the second day of public hearings. EPA heard complaints about its proposed levels under the RFS for 23, 24, and 2025 relative to renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel. The American Farm Bureau Federation wrapped up its annual convention in San Juan, Puerto Rico, setting policy objectives the organization wants to see accomplished in 2023. Sam Kiefer, AFBF Vice President of Public Policy, says the next farm bill was one of the top discussions. Heading into a farm bill year, our delegates held conversations on uh, national farm policy, including being open to expanding the baseline for federal farm bill programs, as well as sending a clear message that we need to be developing more flexible risk management and disaster relief programs and expanding protection to growers of specialty crops all across the country. Chip Moore from Congressman Feenstra in just a little bit, perhaps? Yes, absolutely. We've got a lot to talk about with Representative Feenstra and looking forward to that conversation. All right. Thanks, buddy. Let's bring in Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Chip. Okay. So we've talked several times about how consumer preferences for beef changed during the pandemic when they were cooking at home. How are producers doing in supplying and meeting that desire for choice beef? Actually, Chip, Cowboys are doing very well. They've started the year enjoying some market leverage that they haven't seen in years. The end of the year USDA grading uh, report had the choice plus prime percentage at 83.6%. That's an all-time high, uh, Chip. So 
what that's showing is that even with the higher grain costs, higher inflation, they're still feeding those cattle of choice. Obviously, part of that is genetics as well. Yeah. Um, and over the past few weeks, we've witnessed a spike in wholesale prices as well, especially for choice box beef. And that's contra-seasonal to what we normally see. And at the beginning of the year, that spread between choice and select was $25 a hundredweight, which was 140% higher, Chip, than it was a year ago. Basically saying that demand is still there for those uh, for those products. Now, one of the things we see in this market and have for the last six weeks or, or even longer is that uh, spread between the South price and the North price is three to five dollars. Right. So in that USDA grading report, it finds that Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico region, that prime was just four point seven percent of those cattle. In other words, about half what the national average was. At the same time, the select cattle out of that region were were double what it was okay. out of the northern region. All right. Yeah, helps explain that spread there, doesn't it? Thank you, Chip. Yep. Very good, Greg. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Uh, that is Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers, www.drovers.com to learn more about it. The Leadership Difference. We'll find out the difference that that makes from Dave Mitchell next here on Agritalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. That's a that's a Nashville resident right there, Davis. There it is. You betcha. Yeah. Varsity Joe Vaklovic. Varsity Joe Vaklovic. That's right. We're going to be in Nashville the end of the month, uh, January 23rd through the 25th for the Top Producer Summit. One of the presenters there is Dave Mitchell uh, from the Leadership Difference Inc. And he joins us right now. Dave, welcome to AgriTalk. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. Glad that you're here. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to learn a little bit about you and went to the website. And dude, I appreciate so much that you give us a glimpse into your attitude right on the homepage of your website because you've got to mention of your vision and your mission statements. It's things like a vision and a mission statement that remind you of why, remind you of why you are doing what you're doing. It gives you purpose for, of doing what you're doing. Thanks for doing that. And 
I hope that's a reminder to everyone out there that you got to have that vision and that mission statement where you can see it to remind you why you're doing what you're doing, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's really the cornerstone of a peak performance culture is not only for yourself. I think you make a really good point there. You have to know yourself. Why am I doing this? Because, you know, works hard. And if you don't really understand what your inspiration is, it can be drudgery. But I think it's also important for your customers, the people that uh, that you're providing your products and services to, for them to understand your why and what makes you different than maybe the other options they might have for those products and services. Yep. yep. Well, right from your homepage, Dave, I, I felt like I was getting to know you from your homepage. What, what an accomplishment to be able to do that, to, to <laughs> communicate who you are uh, on the homepage of a website. I think that's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I know um, I've done this for 28 years. I was in the corporate world before that, but my, my favorite um, platitude, my favorite compliment to me is always when someone says, you're, you're just so authentic, you're transparent. It's like just mm-hmm. having a conversation with someone. So yeah. I really try to be, you know, upfront with this is this is who I am and this is what you can expect because you know that's important. It's important to your employees that they feel like they're dealing with the authentic person and it's important to your yeah. customers that they know who they're dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could not agree more. So, what have you learned over those 28 years at the <laughs> leadership difference? <laughs> Well, I tell you, one thing I learned yesterday was not to fly when there's a glitch in the FAA <laughs> software. That's a, <laughs> that was a new lesson after 28 years. Yeah. Uh, gosh, there, there's so much, but um, I think I think for both me personally and the advice I give my clients, uh, it kind of gets back to to what you just referred to, and that's kind of knowing your truth, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Why am I doing this and what makes me special at doing it? And uh, I call that that journey metacognition. It's it's like self-awareness, but yeah. at another level. It, it's really kind of taking stock and evaluating your own personal strengths and your, your style and yeah. what makes you a special person. And how your does gifts, that translate? Your talents. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how does that translate to what you can provide the world? Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's been my experience that the best individual performers and the best organizational performers are the ones that are best able to accurately define that and and live that and communicate that to their customers. Okay. So what kind of services uh, does the leadership difference offer? <laughs> you know, and this is a classic case in uh, the market. Uh, you know, it's like man plans, God laughs. Um, <laughs> when I started the leadership difference, I imagined myself being this this external resource for small and medium sized organizations uh, to provide them with leadership development, professional development. I, I was the vice president of human resources and quality for a division of Walt Disney World. Uh, I knew a lot of smaller organizations didn't have access to those resources that uh, companies the size of Disney might have. So I was going to provide that. Turns out um, I was a high demand uh, public speaker. I was asked to speak at conferences, organizational gatherings, uh, and it just kind of evolved into I became speaker boy and author as opposed to consultant. So, um, yeah, so that's just that's. 
And I think there's a good lesson too for all business owners that, you know, it's important to know who you are, but you also have to understand what the market wants and yeah. you have to start to, to um, mold who you are to what the market wants. Right. Gotcha. Well, I know that you are a very effective speaker and you are kicking off the 2023 Top Producer Summit with a, an address called Peak Performance Culture, the Five Metrics of Operational Excellence. I love that you're referring to peak performance as a culture because it's an attitude. You got to strive it really for it. It really is. And, and even more than so, it, it does absolutely begin as an attitude. It's got to be aspirational. It's got to be something you think about and you're intentional about. But there's also some very specific tactics, uh, processes, procedures, policies, behaviors that you have to commit to in order to achieve mm -hmm. peak performance. So, so it is a combination of ideology and discipline. Uh, and I think, um, I think many organizations are better at one side or the other, and it takes a special organization to be committed to both. Right. Right. What do you hope that farmers in attendance, what, what message do you hope they take home and implement? Yeah, I'm really excited about this because I grew up in an agricultural community. My hometown uh, has 1,500 people. I was a townie. Uh, I was installing heating and air conditioning systems <laughs> for farmers, but I have a, 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 you know, a special appreciation for how important agricultural is to uh, not only just in the obvious ways, feeding the world, but to the strength of our economy. And um, now living in Walla Walla, Washington, uh, an area that's known for wheat, uh, onions, uh, asparagus, and my favorite, wine, grapes. Um, I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of very different type of agricultural professionals um, who are uh, growing grapes and contributing to the making of wine. And here in Walla Walla alone, there's 150 wineries surrounding this town of about 35,000 people. So it doesn't matter that you can grow and that you can uh, produce wine effectively because almost all of those 150 wineries do yeah you have to you have to distinguish yourself you have to have a special sauce that uh, provides an, a motivation to people to want to go to your services and products so right. that I think is what I'd, I'd like um, the agricultural industry and farmers to really appreciate is you know the fact that you're good at, at growing and producing, is only really half the battle. You have to be yep. sustainable. You have to have good management practices. You have to create customer experiences that are exceptional. Yep. And even more so now than ever, you have to have um, employee experiences that are exceptional because there's a real challenge yep. finding good labor. So how do we make people want to work for us and yes. keep working for us? Yes. Outstanding. Outstanding. And then you got to be able to measure it. The five metrics of operational excellence. <laughs> Give us a little. Got to have a dashboard. You yeah. got to have a dashboard. That's that is exactly right. Uh, uh, don't go through all five, but give us a, a little bit of a clue of what you're going to be talking about there. Yeah, well, you, you astutely pointed out again what I believe is the is the cornerstone, and that is knowing what your core ideology is, what makes you different, but just be able being able to articulate that 
doesn't really make it so, right? I mean, I, we all watch commercials every day that talk about companies and brands that we probably use, that we're consumers of, and we listen to their commercial and we compare that to the actual experience we have as customers yeah. of that company. And yeah. we're like, yeah, that, that's not accurate. <laughs> so we've got to have a way to push that ideology down through the entirety of the organization because quite frankly, particularly uh, with the large farming operations, uh, the people that are buying our products aren't necessarily always talking to the people that own and run the operation. They're talking to people much deeper in the organization. Yeah. So the experience our customers have, uh, it really hinges on the talents and attitudes of people that may be two or three people removed from those that are making decisions about ideology and, and forming strategies. So yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, and that's called vertical alignment. And that that is one of the biggest challenges in peak yes. performance is how do I make my culture obvious throughout the entire organization at every touch point? Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I am really looking forward to seeing you in Nashville later this month, uh, Dave. Uh, uh, if people want to get ready for it, it very simply, www.theleadershipdifference.com com, and you can see more of what Dave is, is has has been doing and and makes available. So, looking forward to seeing you down there, Dave. My pleasure. Can't wait to get to Nashville. Hopefully, there's no glitches in the FAA software. <laughs> That's right. We've got Randy <laughs> Feenstra next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. ProFarmer editor Brian Grady joins us right now. Big USDA reports coming up here at the top of the hour. Uh, but first, let's go over to the livestock trade because doggone it, man. We just cannot find a bid in lean hogs. It's broken record, Chip. Uh, you know, we continue to fall in the futures and heavy losses in the uh, the nearby contracts uh, because that uh, cash index just continues to fall. And, and uh, traders had anticipated that we'd see a seasonal low in the cash market by now, and, and that hasn't developed. And, and so the selling pressure has accelerated here over the past couple of weeks uh, because that the cash index just can't get out of its own way at the moment and, and continues to fall. Yeah, lower prices in the cattle complex this morning as well. Yeah, I think it's it's just more a cautious trade than anything, and yeah. and uh, you know spillover from the hog market and those types of things. Waiting on the uh, cash cow trade to to develop, and it looks like it's probably going to be about steady. The deeper into the week the uh, negotiations go, uh, the more likely the two sides are going to meet in the middle and and be about steady prices. 
Okay, very good. Now, on to the grain trade. Positioning for those reports? Yeah, I think uh, that's most of it. Uh, you know, the Argentine crop losses uh, continue to be supportive fundamentally for the, the soybean market, and, and soybeans are trading to the upside. Now, March futures are above $15 at the moment, so yeah. we'll see if that uh, is the case at the end of the day. That's you know, we've struggled to find sustained buying interest at that level. Uh, corn and wheat markets are trading to the downside, being led lower by SRW wheat futures. So I uh, just can't find sustained buyer interest in either of those markets because uh, export demand is poor, to be honest with you. And, and those estimates are likely to be cut uh, by USDA here in about a half an hour. Excellent. All right. Good stuff, Brian. Thank you. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. We've got Representative Feenstra in one minute. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us this morning. And joining us right now is U.S. Representative Randy Feenstra, representing the 4th Congressional District of the great state of Iowa. Representative Feenster, welcome to AgriTalk. Hey, Chip. Great to be on with you. Great to be on AgriTalk this morning. I enjoy listening to you. Excellent. Uh, appreciate that. So, uh, District 4, I describe it as Northwest Iowa. Does that encompass it? Does, is, is that how you describe it? I, I tell you what, I encompass it this way, is that we're the second largest ag producer in the nation. And it goes all the way wow. down to, it's all western Iowa, so it goes all the way down to Nebraska, Council Bluffs, and okay. goes over to, to, to Ames, Iowa. So it's two-thirds of the state. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see how that would make it the at least the second largest ag district in the in the nation. And and uh, you're starting you're, you're starting uh, a new term in Congress and it's a it's got to be a different feeling being a member of the majority this time. Well, it is. You know, the last two years you're playing defense, 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 and now all of a sudden you're looking at offense. And, and this is the exciting thing for me is, you know, what can we do? You know, obviously my area, I come out of Sioux County, Iowa, probably the number one ag area in the country. Um, you know, so input costs, what can we do to, to, to lower those input costs? And inflation measures, obviously, in the last year, years have really hurt us. So, so we're pretty excited now being on the offensive side, especially with that farm bill coming up. You know, yep. there's some great opportunities uh, for the farming community and our producers to, to try to get back to profitability. All right. Uh, it, it, it was a struggle uh, for in the first four days trying to get a speaker elected. What did you make of the whole process of the election of uh, Speaker McCarthy? Yeah, exactly. You know, you hit it on the head. It, you know what? It was it was tough, but democracy is a messy process, and we we don't live under a dictatorship like China or Russia. We we see that, and we should be very proud that we live in a in a d- democratic republic where we get a voice, thoughts, and opinions. So it was messy. Uh, we had a you know a lot of questions about about rules votes, and and I think what the rules vote now is it's more driven by each member instead of the like Pope Pelosi had where it was top down. <laughs> um, I, you know I, I'm I'm excited that now we as members can do things and, and get more involved and, and have ability to, to to be very engaged in the process and create fiscal responsibility. Yeah, yeah the. 
the new rules are really old rules that are undoing some of the rules put in place by Pelosi that basically made her untouchable, right? A hundred percent. I mean, she, and we saw this all the time is that the, uh, the large bills would come out of her office and they'd go vote on them. There's yeah. no committee work at all. And you think about, you know, think about the farm bill. I mean, you could have McCarthy yeah. saying, all right, I'm going to put the farm bill together and you're going to vote for it. No, I mean, it's going to yeah. go through the process. We're going to go through the hearings. Uh, you know, I mean, and there's so much there. And now we as members uh, can go down this path. We're hoping to have a, a hearing in Iowa. You know, that's pretty neat uh, that, that we we as grassroots people can, can voice our thoughts. Yep. And you are a member of the Ag Committee there in the House. Uh, and when I when I talk with people that 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 study what's going on in the house and, and report on it every day. Uh, the farm bill seems to be the one major piece of legislation that they anticipate is going to, to make it through in 2023. Is, what, what yeah, are the odds? I mean, yeah. Well, it has to, I mean, it, it, okay. it has to make it through and, and, and that's what we're working on. I mean, there's so many important things from trade. I mean, you think of trade. Uh, we're, we're just, you know, I just heard the markets a while ago, and it's all predicated on trade, and we're really struggling there right now with energy, uh, with crop insurance, conservation, research and development, all these things. But they got to be fleshed out and, and then put together in a bill. And it's going to be a challenge, but with our chairman, G.T. Thompson, I think he was on yep. your show uh, a week ago yep. or so. I mean, I think we can get it done, and, and I think it'll be a great bill. Now, GT's uh, challenge, and well, um, frankly, Speaker McCarthy's challenge is then going to be taking it to the House and working with Democrats to get something done, and maintaining support of enough Republicans in the House to vote to vote it through on the final pass. Right? Yeah, no, exactly right. I mean, th- this is going to be threading the needle. Uh, yeah. You know, if you look at the last several farm bills, and I'm not talking out of school here, I think everybody knows this, is that the big issue, the big uh, obstacle has always been uh, work requirements for SNAP programs and other yep. things like that, and that has always been the holdup. And, you know, I, I assume that will be the same thing this year. So, so to me, it's going to have to be a lot of discussion um, and, and a lot of grassroots pushing the agenda to, to create fairness and transparency for our farming and our producers. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah it, it seems to me when I, well, w- before I, we get to what else is going to happen in the house, you've got a couple of things and we just talked about one of those things uh, uh, in the news. Y- you are the sponsor of the agriculture foreign investment transparency act. Basically it's keeping track and limiting foreign farmland purchases. Correct. Exactly. Right. Okay. Here's the bottom line. I just quickly, you think of the state of Iowa, all right? There, in, in, in America, there's 37 million acres owned by foreign investors. That's bigger yep. than the state of Iowa. And that's why I said, we've got to know who they are, what they're doing, and we've got to start limiting, making sure that our producers, the first, second, third, fourth generation, are keeping that, that farmland. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> I would assume that you've got plenty of support for, for that uh, out, out of uh, western and northwest Iowa, don't yep. you? It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. When our when our land is going for twenty twenty two to twenty four thousand dollars an acre, that's a big deal. And, and yes. we got to make sure we keep it keep it in the family. Yeah. And, and when you see somebody outside the state or outside the country buying land, I got a problem. Yeah. So okay. 
Okay. Uh, the Precision Ag Loan Program Act, can that be folded into the farm bill too and, and get a little additional funding for the adoption of Precision Ag? And that's what we're going to do. I mean, okay. we saw the, the Farm Progress Show. You know, you have all this new technology, and this is just a loan program that will be through the USDA where people, uh, farmers and producers, can buy new technology at a low interest rate and, and retrofit their existing equipment. Yeah. And uh, this will be wrapped up into the next Farm Bill, hopefully. Yep. Okay. All right. Anything else that you're looking to pull into the Farm Bill? I, You know, I've got in my in my mind right now, I'm thinking of all the uh, – the spending on conservation programs or the climate smart farming practices uh, from USDA that are funded by the CCC going to make an attempt to pull that into the farm bill. Yeah, I, I think that there's that, that will probably be pulled into the, the, okay. the farm bill. I think conservation revert reserve program, the CRP program, I think we're going to uh, make some more flexibility changes on there for the local, you know, especially FSA offices, try to make more local control instead of one, overarching thing uh i think i think that'll be really big i think there's also going to be uh you know some cattle transparency on the marketplace on how we can create a little more fairness uh that's been a big discussion in in the next farm bill Uh, and then again you know when we talk uh, like i said uh, other conservation about make it voluntary how can we uh, make sure some of these things are voluntary and through the fsa offices okay so one of the things that we I, i frankly expect from a GOP majority in the House is to limit some of the spending that's going on. Um, what, yeah. What, how is that going to affect the farm bill? Well, so so first of all, we have to have fiscal responsibility. And yeah. just overarching, I mean, what has happened yes. is, you know, when you put $4.5 trillion into the system, that's what caused inflation, that, that caused our input costs. Uh, you know, that, that free spending has really caused a lot of problems and hardships for our farmers, especially when you're buying fertilizer and, 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 uh, you know, y- you name it, uh, yeah. all the inputs are, are a struggle. So we want to ratchet that down. We want to make sure that we're, we get our fiscal house in order. Um, one big thing in the rules package is that, you know, we have to deal with the debt ceiling, but the debt ceiling also is going to be requiring some spending cuts if we're going to increase yeah. the debt ceiling. Uh, again, I really think this is going to help the markets. I, I think it's going to 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 help uh, create some stability uh, in, in our nation when it comes to our fiscal house, and, and uh, you know, yeah. this is, should be good for the farming community. Yeah, debt ceiling is going to come to a head uh, very soon, isn't it? Soon. I mean, uh, Janet Yellen said, said, yeah, said yesterday it could be as soon as April or early May, and we thought it was going to be mid-summer. So this yeah. is something that we're dealing with out of the gate early on yep okay uh maybe the busiest guy in the house in the next two years might be jim jordan at the judiciary (laughs) committee with all the investigations yeah i I tell you what again for all of us uh farm producers this is this is a big deal jim jordan's gonna be chair uh we we have to understand what's happening especially the fbi um, DO, uh, Department of Justice, and, you know, and I'm even worried about, you know, holding Biden accountable. I even think of waters yeah. of the U.S. And, I mean, there's so many things that are out there right now that are impinging on us, uh, on the producers doing their job and, and the more regulatory environment. I'm excited that yeah. Jim Jordan's going to have some oversight in this area. Well, his list of items to investigate got longer this week with the discovery <laughs> yeah. of those those classified documents at, at Biden properties, right? Right, 
Right, right. And, and here again, it's all about fairness. If you take one yeah. side and you, and you go after them, then you got to do it for the other side. You, you, you can't be you know, hypocritical in this area. So this is where when you're in the majority that you can hold, the, hold everybody's feet to the fire and, and make people accountable. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Representative Feenstra, uh, I hope that, that we can stay in touch, that we can continue to get updates on what's going on with the Farm Bill and the happenings there in the House. And uh, I look forward to having more conversations with you. Hey, Chip, it's always great to be on AgriTalk. Everybody listens to it. Thank you. Yeah. If anybody ever needs to know about what's going on, feenstra.house.gov. And uh, uh, gotcha. I, I love our agricultural community. Excellent. Excellent, sir. Thank you so much. That is Representative Randy Feenstra, 4th District of Iowa. Okay, phase two of the ERP. Seems simple, right? Yeah, no, it's not. We'll find out from Nefer next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us this morning. Good conversation with Representative Feenstra. Terrific. Uh, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed that. It was a conversation. It was. It, it, yep. it wasn't a scripted out message. I wonder if we, I wonder if we can get him back. It'd be great to get him back sometime. I hope we can. I hope we can because uh, if they're going to make progress and get the bill done in 2022, 23, mm-hmm. geez, I think I've done that a couple of times now. That's all right. Got to advance forward to 2023. If they're going to get it done this year, they're gonna. <laughs> it's time to get started. It, mm-hmm. it it may be even past time to get started. Uh, I know that that uh, uh, house. Ag Committee Chairman Thompson from Pennsylvania was going to have a listening session, a hearing, uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. But he had to postpone it because of the uncertainty over the, the speaker's position. And it's going to happen, I believe, tomorrow that that listening session in Pennsylvania is going to happen. Okay. Um, boy, I, I don't even know where to start here with with this conversation with Paul Neifer at Farm CPA. Paul, well, let's start with this. You up and surprised me and retired from CLA, Clifton Larson Allen. Congratulations, Paul. Thank you. But uh, as you said, I'm just retired from CLA. I'm not retired from blogging, speaking, writing, and yeah. being a pain in the butt of FSA, maybe. so. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good for you. So we can put you solidly in the watchdog category now, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good. And I'm, 
I'm down at Texas today at TPAP, so it's uh, actually pretty nice weather. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I know that you've been a little bit under the weather as well, so thank you for making time for us here because we've got phase two of the emergency relief program. Um, Complicated, to say the least, isn't it? Yeah, I would say as a CPA, I'm struggling knowing exactly well, how to calculate this. It, well, it's 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 you can come up with the answers, but uh, unlike phase one, where hey, if you collected crop insurance, you're going to get a payment. This you know here you have to take well, you take you have to pick 18 or 19 as your benchmark year. Then you multiply that by 70 percent. Then you have to look at 20 and 21, and then subtract that and if you have a positive then you get some of that but the maximum initial number you get is two thousand dollars but then if you collected anything on phase one you get zero and then oh by the way we're not going to give you the full amount anyway we're going to have some factor that reduces it down to maybe five percent of what you originally did and that's just getting started on it so uh when i I saw that and, and thank you for your blog because that's that's where i saw it but when I saw that, my first thought was, well, then you can't. Can you calculate a payment? You can. And and again, you know, FSA, I think, is going to take the producer's word for it. Now, it, it appears that, you know, the payment looks out of whack. You know, they'll do some type of audit on it. Um, also, if you got hedging gains or losses, you have to back those out. And I could conceivably see where that could either help you a lot or hurt you a lot. And really... Hedging's related to pricing that crop. Why are they telling you to back out hedging gains or losses when it's really related to the crop? You know, that part, yeah. that, that, that sort of bugged me a little bit too. Yeah. So <laughs> this benchmark year, why is that so important? And, and I think the reason it's important is because this, you're going to be comparing uh, basically tax returns to that benchmark year, right? Pretty much. Now, really what they're saying, hey, we want you to look at what was your income before the pandemic? What was the income during the pandemic? And if your income during the pandemic was at least 30% less than the income during or before the pandemic, then you get a payment. But the problem is, like you're saying, it's tax return related information that has nothing to do with really what your income was. It's just what you decided to report for that year. So okay. it's, it's, it's messy. Okay. Is this an area, you, you know, one of the, one of the groups that I think has been, been kind of left out of all of this are the hog producers that experienced, you know, terrible uh, disruptions in their marketings, uh, even, yeah. even though the hogs were ready. Some of those hogs had to be euthanized. I haven't seen where, those costs have been covered. I haven't seen where, you know, um, uh, just the reduced income from being forced to market hogs has been covered. Could this cover that? It could. It could. You know, they specifically indicated in the regulations they issued that the $17 per head, I think it was $17, is not going to be paid. You know, you had the SHPP, whatever that uh, what was that covered some of it if you yep. didn't have any contracts. So if you weren't covered by that, this potentially could cover that. Also the PARP, um, that a little bit that calculation is a little bit more favorable possibly for hog farmers because there you only have to have a 15% reduction. 
The problem is they're expecting, I think, about two and a half billion of claims under PARP, but they're only going to pay out 250 million. So, you know, you could have a hog producer that based on their calculation had a $125,000 or $250,000 claim, and they're going to collect 12500 or twenty five. So yeah, uh, I wouldn't count on that really helping you. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't count on it helping you very much. Yeah, but still, still, if, if you experience those losses as a hog producer in particular, it's the Pandemic Assistance Revenue yep. Program. Yeah, um, yep. Take a take a look at that PARP because there may be some funding there as well. What else do we need to know before you go? What are you going to be talking about down in Nashville? I'm actually talking about contribution margin, why that can be more important than your net income calculations. So I know that's pretty wild and exciting for you, Chip, to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's important, Paul. I yeah, know that. Yeah, it's very important. So outstanding, but, uh, outstanding. Hey, take care of yourself. Have fun down at TPAP, and we'll see you at the end of the month. Okay, thanks, Chip. You bet. All right, that is Paul Neifer, uh, Farm CPA. You you can still get his blogs on AgWeb.com, and and uh, Davison feels kind of good to have him solidly in the in the watchdog camp now. He really does. Really yeah. does. We'll take it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Okay. Winter wheat seedings, quarterly grain stocks report, annual production summary, supply and demand, both U.S. and global. They're coming up in about two and a half minutes. We'll have all the coverage for you this afternoon. Ben Brown from University of Missouri will join us.